This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. How does your garden grow, Joseph Borrell? Yes, so-called foreign minister of the so-called European Union described the European Union as the garden and everywhere outside the jungle. I have said multiple times on this show that everywhere I go in that garden it looks pretty much like a jungle to me, overgrown, full of weeds, tumbling down, and absolutely no pleasure to look at at all. And that's before the fires. The fires all over France have spread to Belgium and now to Switzerland. Angelo Giuliano couldn't believe his eyes. He lived in Lausanne for many years, never saw a single protest there. Now the streets of Lausanne in Switzerland are on fire. Where next is the question that everyone should be asking. It wasn't one damn thing. It was one damn thing after another. Of course, the proximate cause for the initial rioting in Nanterre in France was the cruel and unusual murder of a 17-year-old boy, Nahal. 17, shot for driving a hired car. He was entitled to drive it. He'd paid to hire it. He had no weapon, but now he is dead. That was the proximate cause, but it was the spark that set fire to tinder that has been lying around, carefully arranged or not, for many years, even decades, and not just in France, but throughout most of the European Union. Let me deal with some uncomfortable facts first. I see all kinds of lunatics, some of them with a long history now of posing as anti-globalists, lining up behind Macron because they don't much like mass immigration, they don't much like Africans, and they definitely don't like Muslims. But there are millions of Africans, many of them Muslim, in France because France took over vast swathes of Africa north and further south and ruthlessly looted and raped the continent of Africa for centuries. And unlike the British, they didn't pretend that they were merely holding the hand of the locals to whom they'd give independence one fine day. No, France incorporated those colonies into France. Ipso facto, every person born in those French colonies was automatically French, with, of course, including the right to go and live in France. Not that France ever left Africa. It currently takes 
500 billion euros every year from the remaining francophone countries that allow France to run their currency, issue banknotes, guarantee the banking system. They are still coining it in Africa today. But that's not the real reason why there's millions of North Africans and other Africans on the streets of France today. They brought them, you see, to France in huge numbers in order to exploit cheap labor, to fatten profits for the French monopoly globalized capitalists. That's why they're there. It wasn't an act of compassion by France. They weren't giving shelter to Africans in France. They brought them there to squeeze yet more sweat, tears, and if necessary, blood out of them. They parked them in what can only be described as Bantu stands, bon low, they call them, suburbs. But they are as far from the real Paris that the tourist knows as Bofetutswana or Sin City or any of the other South African townships. They were in France, but not of France. They were technically in Paris, but not of Paris. And as long as they could be heavily enough policed by a police force, a byword for vicious, savage policing, then everything could continue more or less as normal. But as the poverty rose, as the levels of alienation rose, as the children and then grandchildren of those original immigrants began to discover that they were all dressed up in Parisian clothes but they had nowhere to go. The police had a more and more difficult time to control these Bantu stands, and now they have erupted. And Volkswagen car dealerships, not be long before they get to Mercedes-Benz, surely. The Apple stores in downtown Paris won't be long before somebody realizes that actually inside the Louvre, there's even more valuable things. The property of French people and the lives and bodies of French people are being violently assailed in a nihilistic frenzy. And the so-called protesters are not much better. The police savages are fighting the street savages. French people are now living in a state of terror. All of this would be absolutely lamentable, condemnable, and indeed, I lament and condemn it. But when you compare and contrast it with the role of the French government in the world, right now, this day, this day, Macron was on the phone to Trudeau in Canada to discuss, no, not the situation in France, but the situation in Haiti, which was a French colonial possession until the slaves there rose up and murdered their masters. France has never done interfering in the internal affairs of practically every country in the world. They even interfere in the internal affairs of this country, Great Britain, by allowing along the French Channel coast 
thousands, tens of thousands of people gaily to climb into rubber boats and sail the English Channel as illegal immigrants coming into Britain, costing a fortune forever for the British people, almost all of them men, young men, fighting age men. That's an interference in our internal affairs. Even though Britons paid them billions to stop it, they pocketed the billions and done nothing to stop it. But France interferes in other countries far more egregiously than that. These scenes you're watching now on the screen are the very scenes, though not quite as bad, that Macron and his government sought to visit on Iran, in Tehran, and in multiple Iranian cities, not 12 months ago. Then, he said, the death of a young woman was the cause of a just revolution in Iran. Now, he says, the death of a young man in France is being instrumentalized for political purposes and that the people have no right to be on the streets protesting about it. These scenes you're watching now are precisely the scenes that Macron sought to visit on the Lebanon, another French colonial possession. They are exactly the scenes that he, along with others, in supporting the ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Islamist, alphabet soup, to overthrow the secular Syrian Arab Republic. Macron did that. France's government did that. They sought to destroy Syria, destroy Lebanon, destroy Iran. And of course, they're doing their level best to destroy Ukraine. Because when Macron was not talking to Trudeau about Haiti, he was talking about the next phase of the NATO attempt to break up the Russian Federation, even though their teeth now are all broken on the iron ring of Russian defenses in the eastern part of Ukraine. They're about to gather for their NATO summit with nothing at all to show for it. Nothing to show for the hundreds of billions that have been sent from countries like France, which badly needed that money for its own people, but were sent instead to the Kiev gang that cannot shoot straight and cannot make progress in this war. On the contrary, is losing it hand over fist. So Borrell, as soon as he said those words, I knew that he would come to regret them. Europe is not a garden. China, Russia, Brazil, South Africa is not a jungle. These countries are where the rising sun is warming the population, whereas we are warming only in the burning pyres of our own institutions, our own public buildings, even our own private property. It would be sad, it is sad. It would be disgusting, it is disgusting, if it were not 
for the fact that karma has its ways of making sure that what goes round comes round. We'll be talking to a European intellectual of the first rank, Elijah Magne, about what all this means for the garden and its relations with the rest of the world. And we'll be talking to the one and only Professor Richard Wolff on Bidenomics. I thought Nico House put it brilliantly. Bidenomics? At least under Reaganomics, a very little of the wealth trickled down. Under Bidenomics, the money just disappears. We don't know where it goes. Well, to an extent, we know where it goes. It goes in enormous volume to the arms manufacturers who kick it back through the funding of the political process, candidates, parties, to ensure the everlasting monopoly of power of themselves, the banks on Wall Street, the globalized capitalist concerns, and the two cheeks of the same arse that are the Republican and Democratic parties. We know that the United States is itself almost in a weekly Parisian situation. Just yesterday, 50, 50 people were shot in a mass shooting in one place in the city of Baltimore, not that far from the seat of power in Washington, D.C. I don't know how many have died. Several have died. Many more are in a critical condition. I don't know what lay behind the story, and I probably won't have time to catch up because there'll be another one along in a moment. The United States is suffering mass unemployment, mass poverty, evictions, student debt, and mass shootings, and racial divide on a level that France could only wish for. The United States, if ever a country, should stay at home and fix its own house. Physician, heal thyself. But no, the United States government, in the case of Janet Yellen, is actually gone to China to beg them to buy U.S. Treasury bonds. This after lying for months about that weather balloon that they called a spy balloon, but which they have now admitted publicly was doing no spying at all. It was what the Chinese said that it was. An off course weather balloon. In the wake of Blinken insulting the Chinese, Biden slandering the Chinese, Yellen is there begging them for money to dig the United States out of one of the biggest holes <coughs> that it has ever been in. I'll be talking to two of the best guests available anywhere on television. Stay tuned. It's the mother of all talk shows. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Elijah Magna is always the man I reach to for commentary on developments in Europe, and I did again this week, and I'm glad to say he was able to join us. Elijah, welcome back on the mother of all talk shows. We've had some uh, legendary discussions in some turbulent times, but we never met in circumstances quite like this, have we? What's happening? Hello, George. It's great to be with you. What's happening is a buildup of a problem since 1980. No president, no French government uh, dared to solve this problem that they have participated and they are really behind the main cause of the suburbs, let's call them the area that are outside the big cities. And here we're talking about Paris, uh, Lyon, uh, Marseille, Nantes, uh, Nice, Strasbourg, so many cities around France, people who have been pushed outside the city. And I can give you an example. For example, uh, the president Sarkozy, when he was a mayor of an area next to Paris, he uh, the people who want to build any construction uh, anywhere in France, they need to allocate 20% of the uh, apartment to the social people who don't have enough money to pay and what he used to do he used to pay the fine to keep the building for to certain level of people who uh, have uh, a better money and more money to contain and to leave the area for a specific type of people so all the social uh, houses and flats were pushed toward the suburb and then the problem is the inequality that France's uh, motto is uh, freedom, uh, liberty, fraternity, and equality. And there is no equality. We're talking about these people who are French from the second and third generation. We are talking about people who were always and are still accused of being terrorists, of being uh, drug dealers, of being completely cut off. From the society, it has been going on since 1981. The first one started in Lyon, and then uh, it uh, continued 2005, 2006, 2007, uh, 2009, and then 2017. This is the famous law that was passed by 
President Hollande, who allowed the police, according to Article 435.1, to use lethal weapons against people, civilians, when they, when the police feels threatened. Now we've seen, for example, in 2017, there were 4,800 uh, abuses of the police and the brutality and the use of lethal force, uh, and only 8% of uh, these complaints were uh, investigated and 54 policemen were told off not to do it again. Although they killed people, they created uh, permanent damage to civilians, and we have to remember that France is not like the U.S., where people carry weapons and have right to carry weapons. So if the government of Macron that is very weak it doesn't solve this problem, we're going to see Marine Le Pen, the far right wing, going on the right highway to the presidency because the feeling of the uh, right wing today is rising incredibly against all the others to the point that I've seen today that people started to raise money for the uh, mother of the 17-year-old uh, uh, French uh, of Algerian origin, uh, and they gather 80,000 euros for her. And then on the other hand, uh, another person started to go raising money to the family of the policeman who committed the murder, and they've reached now 620,000 euros. That's for you to uh, understand the mentality and where we are going today and how the direction of the, the orientation of the French people thinking, yes, we have the right to kill them and we have the right to completely cut them off from the society. And lastly, we've seen a communique coming from the police union. Uh, that belongs and followed the uh, interior ministry warning the government that we are at war. These are the words they have used and saying, we are going to continue, we're going to fulfill our obligation and the government should take note of what we are doing. So basically they're taking things in hand and saying, we have a free hand and the police should do what is necessary and when the two policemen who were involved in the attack and, and one of them in the killing uh, presented a false testimony and only thanks to the social media video that we were able to see how the policeman shot the driver while the car was taking off just after one second using lethal weapons when there was no threat against his life and the life of his colleague. Mind you, Elijah, I'm so old, I can remember the events, Les Avonments, uh, of 1968, when overwhelmingly white students uh, were savagely attacked by the anti-riot uh, police in France. Everyone watching this is old enough to remember what happened to the yellow vests. Again, an overwhelmingly white phenomenon of uh, white working class people, lower middle class people, not from the suburbs, the Bonlo, not from these Bantu stands, but from rural France, from small town France, in their yellow vests, being savagely attacked by the very same agencies of the French state. Am I right? 
Yes, you're absolutely right. They attacked not only the population, the press, anyone who was nearby without making any distinction. And that shows how Macron is really losing control of the country. Well, it's not surprising because at the end of the day, he got 23% on the first round. And when he won, he came out and said, people voted for me to avoid seeing Marine Le Pen in power and give the presidency to the far right. And yet he continued to take unpopular decisions and he uh, imposed just a few weeks ago the pension scheme on the population, taking it away from the National Assembly that represent the majority of the population, which indicates that he really not in control of the country. And yet it hasn't blunted his ambitions to be a, a little Napoleon abroad, has it? He is uh, hyperactive on uh, uh, interfering in other people's affairs all over the world. Has he got a kind of, I don't know, uh, a suicide wish, a political suicide wish? I mean, as the Russian uh, leading figure Medvedev said the other day, uh, uh, Macron's always saying he's on the side of Ukraine. Maybe he should spend some time and money being on the side of France. Isn't that a, a, a big issue? I fully agree, because first of all, people think that it is a question of banlieue and suburb, which is not really entirely true, because the, the uh, discontent of the population, not only in the suburb, all over France, comes from the decision and the, the uh, behavior of the European leaders. When European leaders decide to finance the Ukraine war, that we here we in Europe have nothing to do with it because it is not our war. America said clearly, uh, Joe Biden said, this is about the unity of Western Union. It's about NATO. So it is, uh, sorry, Eastern Europe. It is about NATO. It is not about Western Europe, and it is not about Ukraine. It is about the U.S. dominance over Eastern Europe, and it is about the U.S. reviving NATO that President Macron himself said is a brain dead. So what's happening today, everything costs so much, it's so expensive. We can't really survive until the end of the month with all the increase of prices, the increase of gas, and petrol, and then at the end of the day, we go and buy it from India that is buying it from Russia. And we buy it from the US that is four times more expensive than the Russian gas. When Russia said, well, you, we don't need to be friend. You can, we can continue the commercial business, commercial relationship, and then you can do what you want. Instead, not only we are uh, paying for the Ukraine war, we don't know where this money is going, we are asked to pay more taxes. We are asked to pay. The devaluation of euro is extremely heavy on us. And on top of that, we heard the Hungarian prime minister the other day in Brussels saying, well, the European Commission is asking us to put hundreds of billions more, and we don't know what they have done with the previous hundreds of millions that we have paid. And why we need still to inject more money and where this money is going to come from. It's going to come from us. So it is not really the question of bonlieu only. Today, the French are divided. 
between people who have enough of the decision of the government, of the decision of the president, who missed the visit of uh, King Charles, and then he's missing the visit to Germany also. He postponed the visit that should have taken today. And uh, he's doing extremely badly on the international arena because it is telling us that France is no longer in control and that he is trying to imitate Charles de Gaulle. But the first thing Charles de Gaulle did is to kick out NATO from France, saying any foreign uh, force on the foreign soil that exert its sovereignty, like the U.S. is doing in every single NATO base established in Europe, this is an occupied country. So today we are really occupied by the U.S. because we follow the U.S. decision and it is completely incompatible with the European interests. That is the key. It is not to the interests of the European what's happening. The decision that France is taking is creating a havoc that the government, the only thing they can do is to send uh, drones, helicopters in the sky of France today, this evening, from six o'clock in the evening until six o'clock tomorrow morning. And they say they send uh, um, uh, also uh, military um, uh, tanks, uh, not tanks, sorry, but a military vehicle to patrol the city and they send the anti-terrorist units to control the city. This is where we are today. This is unheard of. We think that we are in a state of war. We don't live in a democratic Europe. Where, and by the way, democracy is something that is overused, particularly when I saw a few days ago Ursula von der Leyen asking the permission of the parliament to spy on journalists willingly and, and legally. So this is where we are here. We have ended the era of democracy in Europe. I mean, our poll, slightly tongue-in-cheek, Elijah, does civil conflict in France threaten the security of Europe? But it must do, mustn't it? I mean, at the very least, it severely reduces the credibility of, of uh, Joseph Borrell's uh, garden metaphor. But some events are now happening in Belgium, even in Switzerland. Might this spread? I mean, Germany looks pretty combustible material to me. It all depends really on the will of the population. Today, because the suburb of uh, France are indicated as Islamist, are, uh, that was fueled also by Al-Qaeda, by uh, Chataplan, by um, Charlie Hebdo, uh, and all the uh, uh, ISIS uh, doing in Syria and Iraq, uh, because of that, uh, these suburbs are indicated as a safe haven to these people, which is not true at all, because living in a suburb means you don't have enough money to pay a rent, expensive rent in cities like Paris, like Montpellier, like uh, Lyon, like uh, Nice. Uh, th these are very expensive cities. So uh, French people are forced to go to the suburb. They're not Al-Qaeda people. They don't support ISIS, and they are not criminal. But because there is this um, in, uh, incapability of the French rulers for the last decade, this is giving more space for the uh, far right wing to promote their narrative, which has nothing to do with the reality, but it feeds the insecurity the French are feeling today. 
Is it threatening the rest of Europe? Well, if it is only limited to um, these accusation, unfounded accusation and inequality among the population, I don't think it is going to spread. However, we were waiting for manifestation in France uh, in the summer, as always happened in the peak of the season, against all the decisions of the government. Now, these events took over, and I think the rest needs to wait. And that more related to the economy, the inflation, and the devaluation of the euro. Nevertheless, I don't think Europe is in the best shape today. I don't think Europe is going to survive for all the years that Macron particularly is going to remain in power for another four years. That's going to be a very, very difficult period for President Macron to be able to rule. Also, we've seen how in Germany, when we hear the foreign minister um, saying, well, I hear you, however, we're going to continue paying for Ukraine, financing Ukraine, and we're going to uh, just tighten up our expenses, all of us. Well, no. Why do we need to do that if we're doing a war that is not ours? This is not our war. The Ukrainian themselves, President Zelensky said, I am fighting on behalf of NATO. We, don't, we are not called NATO here. There is France, there is Belgium, there is Spain, there is Italy. It is not NATO. NATO is the U.S. The caliber of leadership across Europe, I've spoken about <coughs> it to you before, but it's, it's sharply illuminated uh, by these flames, isn't it? By this crisis. Uh, they, they look like, I mean, I looked at Macron, he looked shaken. Uh, Marie, uh, Marie Antoinette said, let them eat cake. He said, let's go to an Elton John concert whilst our capital city is on fire. And when he came out and when he saw the scale of it all, he looked shaken and uh, even shrunken. And he wasn't that significant a figure to begin with, as you say. The, the recipient of just 23% of uh, first choices in French politics. If Mr. Mélenchon had got 1.5% more, uh, it would have been him that was in the final ballot, not uh, Macron. But uh, when I look across the continent, I look at Ruta uh, in the Netherlands, uh, I'm not sure if Belgium's even got a prime minister. They were a long time without one. Uh, when I look at uh, little soldier Schultz in power in Berlin, and even more at uh, Anna Baerbock that you just uh, referred to, who is almost Joe Biden-esque in the number of blunders that she makes in public. I wonder if the European people can see at all that their leaders are not up to the job. Well, when, um, when Macron had 23% of the vote, it means they consider Macron is not uh, the person who needs to rule France. However, for the lack of choices, they voted for Macron for the second time and they don't want him and he knows that. When we have seen how Germany and France that used to be a united front that stood against Donald Trump and refused to... Uh, cut the relationship with Russia because we depend on the Russian gas, on the cheap Russian gas that other countries are taking it today and selling it to us. 
for a higher price, then we see that this is a Europe that used to have some kind of dignity, some kind of responsibility toward this uh, population and looking after the interest of the European nation, not the Americans and the American interest. Today, unfortunately, we have seen how the center of Europe is shifting to Poland. We have seen how Macron and Schulz have no power when they went to the US uh, contesting the US subsidy to all the uh, industry uh, company stealing all the European company from uh, the continent and offering them uh, tax uh, facilities and support, they return empty-handed. And Biden said, well, go and offer the same to your industry. We can't do that because we're not printing money like the US. And we don't have this universal use of euro like the US. The US today is in decline. The euro is in decline. The US dollar is in decline. And we have other currencies that are picking up, like the UN or the local currency. It, um, uh, countries are dealing with each other with their local currency. So we understand that we have failed. We no longer colonizing other countries, other continent to be able to steer their wealth. This is what we have been doing for centuries. And today, other continents are very much aware of our uh, previous doing. They will not allow us to steal anymore, to colonize them anymore. And now we are on our own. And the only thing we have, our industry, and the in our industry is without energy. So we have to buy expensive energy, and that will weigh extremely heavy on every single European uh, citizen. This is why we are today, and that is the doing of our leaders, which means that Europeans are realizing that actually it is not only Ukraine, but our rulers that are making the grave mistake of not following the interest of the European citizen, but following the interest of the U.S. foreign policy. At the end of the day, we look at the U.S. U.S. is doing well because it is not losing its soldiers. It's in the printing money that is sending to Ukraine. It doesn't care about that and pushing us to contribute when we don't have the money to contribute. And then the leader will have to say, well, we don't have money. Then you have to pay more taxes. And then we have to scrap from left, right and center. And you have to have a, a shower once every two days, and then you have to be careful what you are eating, and then well, how you use electricity. All this recession we have to adapt to just because we want to finance the war in Ukraine that we already know how it's going to end. Never mind, there's only 16 weeks to go to the start of another long, cold winter with no reliable source of cheap gas to keep us warm. Elijah Magni, thank you for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. How's that poll going? Does civil conflict in France threaten the security of Europe? On Telegram, 61% say yes. On Twitter, 65% say yes. On the YouTube community uh, poll, 59% say yes. And on the YouTube stream, 66% say yes. 16,685 people have voted. Get your vote in before the end of the show. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now, in a sane America, it would be Richard Wolff that was on the plane to China rather than his classmate at, I think, Harvard. Janet Yellen. But then, if Richard Wolff was the Treasury Secretary in the United States, actually they'd have no need to be flying to China to beg for money at all, because he is the oracle. Professor Richard Wolff, you're always a welcome guest here on the Mother of All Talk Shows, and I'm glad that you could join us uh, this evening. Tell us about this Bidenomics. Well, mostly Bidenomics is pretty much the standard kind of mishmash of half-baked ideas designed to keep the base of the political party, the Democratic Party, uh, reasonably happy, sound good to as many other people as possible, carefully avoid honestly dealing with any problem at all, lest it be understood as recognizing that that problem exists. Uh, and that's what you have. You, you sent Mr. Blanken to China a few days ago. He tried to do something that was a little less aggressive than has been the norm. But while he was doing that, his boss, Mr. Biden, geared up to call Xi Jinping a dictator because Americans really like to hear about how dictators are elsewhere, whereas we here live in the greatest democracy the world has ever seen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Janet Yellen's trip, whatever it contains, will for sure carry on with suggestions that the Chinese should change their economic system, they should change their government, and they should be kinder to the Uyghur minority. This coming from a country that has much greater problems with minorities than China has ever had, treats them, and a larger number of them, much worse than what you see in China, not to defend the Chinese, but the hypocrisy uh, the behavior, it is for a growing number of Americans, above all, embarrassing. But let me ask, answer your question directly. The biggest economic problems of the United States can be summarized in this way. We are a declining empire. 
following in our decline a similar trajectory to what happened to the British Empire a century earlier. We are a capitalism that has produced a level of inequality that is fundamentally unsustainable because it clashes so basically with a carefully cultivated self-image of the United States as not being torn apart by extremes of wealth and poverty. Mr. Biden, like his Republican counterparts, says not one word about either of these. If for many of us watching who have been born and raised and lived in the United States all of our lives, like me, what is the most stunning thing about Bidenomics is its utter emptiness, its utter denial of the most fundamental problems. How are you going to deal with a population that thought the American empire would go on and be dominant forever more and more? Now that the BRICS have a bigger economic footprint in the world than does the G7, the United States and its allies. Now that the Chinese have demonstrated that they can do the technical wonders that the United States once pretended were uniquely its own creation, and on and on and on. There is a disconnect between not just the government and the mass of people, but the media, but the academic establishment. There is a gulf opening up in this country which probably will have more to do with what happens in the future than anything else. We are making colossal mistakes. Ukraine is only the most recent misunderstanding of what the relation of forces really is. Remember, our president told us that the ruble would become rubble in a matter of weeks. Didn't happen that the Russian economy would disintegrate in a matter of weeks, didn't happen. That the Ukrainians would be victorious, didn't happen. I could keep going, but the point should be clear. We are not a society that is able anymore to make reasonable decisions because it is so busy denying the fundamental crisis it faces. You say you could go on and on. I wish you would go on and on. I'd rather give the whole show now over to you. But uh, let me take you back to uh, Reaganomics. I'm so old, I remember when that was a thing. And uh, a good friend of mine, Nico House, said the difference between Reaganomics and Bidenomics is that in Reaganomics, the wealth was supposed to trickle down. In Bidenomics, uh, the wealth just effing disappears. Uh, is that a fair characterization? Well, uh, yes, I would amend it slightly. Reaganomics was uh, an argument about a trickle down that never happened. And Mr. Biden is a president who rails against Reaganomics, but does absolutely nothing to deal with the fact that not only did the wealth not trickle down, but it is crystal clear that in a magical denial of gravity, it trickled up, that we have had a growing inequality that has actually gotten worse 
both at the time of Reagan and now. We have had a 40, 50 years of uninterrupted redistribution of wealth upward. And that is causing this country to blow apart. The support that I'm sure interests Europeans, the support for white supremacy, the support for a, a, an out of control, endless liar, grifter, a hustler like Trump, the creation of more and more like him, they all feed off of the bitter anger of masses of people whose jobs are insecure, whose incomes are now inadequate, who went through the redistribution of wealth, then the crash of our economy in 2020, then the pandemic, now the inflation, now the rising interest rates. It's almost a biblical situation of seven plagues, only they're economic, they're matters of choice of a government so far disconnected that the majority of people left, right, and center hate the government, have no confidence, no belief in anybody who comes forward. We will have in the presidential election, and I sure hope Europeans pay attention, we will have one candidate who has now announced that he will run on the Green Party, a man named Cornell West that I'm sure many of you know of. He will be saying, and he will be the only one, talking about the real problems, the real crisis. We just had a Supreme Court in a country where white policemen shoot black people on a regular basis not like in France every so often, and look what happened in France. No, we've routinized it. But our Supreme Court just took away a program called affirmative action on the premise that, and I quote you now, we no longer have a problem of racial inequality and racial discrimination. If you wanted an example of being deaf, dumb, and blind in our society, there we have it. And those are the people at the top. Well, we, we will be interviewing Dr. West uh, as soon as we can. And of course, I wish him every success. But there is another candidate, Professor, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., with uh, far higher uh, name recognition, voter recognition. Yeah who's also saying some uh, truly radical things. That's new, isn't it? Yes, you know, yes and no. I mean, we did have Bernie Sanders. And for all the things you can say about Bernie Sanders, his race in 2016 and again his race in 2020 opened the space here in the United States for people left of center or even if they're not themselves left of center, but they have some ideas that are left of center, they can now enter American politics. We have members of Congress who will answer the question, are you a socialist, with the word, yes, I am. Uh, we didn't have that for most of the previous half century. So we are moving forward. Kennedy is able to say some things on the other hand, he has identified with other positions that make him 
look very strange to many in the American people who might otherwise be interested in what he has to say. But yes, we have some. And I, I think you're going to see more and more of them in the years ahead because we have to rebuild what is missing in the United States. We have a far right Republican Party and a Democratic Party, which offers most of the same things, only not quite so quickly, not quite so harshly. But other than that, when it when we had neoliberal globalization, they were all for that. Now that we have more economic nationalism, they're all for that. They're all for whatever the uh, community of big business and banks uh, feels the need to do. The political parties, the two major ones, do their job of gathering various communities around other issues, abortion, being able to have 27 guns in the back of your automobile or whatever it is that excites Americans. That's their job. Get those people so they vote for the two parties who can keep a troubled capitalism going for another few years. But the rest of the world sees it. Yeah. They see that the United States is not the political or economic force it once was, and the whole world is adjusting to that process. You asked us Europeans to look at you. Let me ask you to look at us, although you may in part be looking in a mirror. Uh, many people in Europe, many, many, trust me, look at this great society that the United States is or at least was, this can-do place, this bustling, hustling, uh, sending uh, men to the moon and, and, and its great economic and cultural weight uh, in the world, and ask themselves, how did it come to be that the pick was between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Is that the best that you can do? And I ask you to look at us because we are now experiencing the same thing. If you look at the German leadership, from Helmut Kohl down to uh, uh, little soldier Schultz, from de Gaulle down to Macron, from Churchill to Rashid Sanouk, go figure, as Joe Biden even uh, said. Why is the leadership of the capitalist world shrinking so because it is a pure reflection of what is happening to the larger society it is a sign that people who actually have a grasp on what's going on who might have had the courage in the past to talk about real issues because there was a confidence that the united states could do as you just described it could solve the problem. There is a deep depression here in the United States, mental. We don't know what it's like to be on the decline of an empire. Every empire is born usually out of the decline of the previous one. It evolves and develops over time. Then it peaks and then it declines. The United States believed deeply, as I'm sure many in Britain did too, that the American empire, basically the 20th century, 
would keep going up. There's no preparation for, there's no ability to grasp that it's over, that we are now going down. This is too difficult. And so what we have are political theatrics. We have a Trump who manufactures a world completely out of his head. We have Biden who is too old to do anything but represents a, a vague idea of going backwards to that time when the United States could solve its problems and could face them. And so what this old man Biden does is pretend. It's all okay. We are still very strong. We are telling the Russians what to do. We are telling the Chinese what to do. We are telling the, the fact that we lost the war in Vietnam and we lost it in Iraq and we lost it in Afghanistan. Americans do not get the message here. They don't, just like they're not getting the message here about Ukraine. These things are presented to Americans in the fantastic language of a dream about what was perhaps the case in the 1970s. It's long gone. And what you're watching in the United States is the desperate effort to hold on. That's why Mr. Trump's slogan is make America great again. And Mr. Biden has nothing better than that to offer. Vague promises that nobody really believes, but no one knows where to go. And as to the view here about the Europeans, let me be very honest with you. The great mystery that is being asked is why are all the European countries falling in line more, it seems, falling in line more than before behind the United States, even though before it might have made a certain sense, whereas now it is choosing the wrong horse in the race and there must be Europeans who understand that there's a tremendous risk for you in Europe in betting on the United States as it loses out to where, by the way, capitalism has gone. We are acutely aware in America, capitalists left the United States and moved production to China. Capitalists made the decision not to invest in the United States and to make enormous investments in China. General Motors sells more automobiles to China in China than it does in the United States, and that's where their loyalty is. The biggest ally of Xi Jinping in Beijing, the biggest ally he and the Chinese have in the United States right now, are the leading mega corporations who do not want to lose their access to the labor force in China and to the growing market. Every business school graduate, and I've taught in business school, is told, you want to succeed in a business, go to where the costs are minimal and the market is growing the fastest. The United States is not where the costs are minimal and the United States is not where the market is growing fastest. China is that place, and that is a powerful force 
holding Mr. Biden back from going much beyond irritation, rhetoric, and symbolic play acting as if we were once the mighty America, which we aren't anymore, and which the rest of the world learns about every day. That's why you have de-dollarization. That's why you have endless signs of the same reorganized world economy. And I'm fearful at this point that unspeakable mistakes will continue to be made by the United States that will pull Europe with it, premised on a reality that is long gone. Professor Wolf, I could listen to you all night. I promise you that. Let's uh, fix another appointment to listen to you soon. Professor Richard Wolf, really the oracle on economic affairs. Let's hear what you think of what he had to say. Let's go to Julian in Lewis uh, on the subject of France. Go ahead, Julian. Well, hi, George. Um, it's a quick question. Well, hi. there's two things. Um, one, I've heard on Telegram and other social media sources that um, French-born children of um, immigrants, i.e. if you're Algerian and you moved to France in, I don't know, years ago, and then your children and your grandchildren lived there, were born, lived there, are French, um, they're not given um, citizenship. And I don't know whether that's right mm. or wrong. It's a fact check kind of question. Um, I have another yeah. question. I very, much doubt it. I, 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 I very much doubt that it would be legal uh, under European law, uh, but I don't know the answer to it, Julian. Give me your second question quickly. Uh, no worries. Um, my question is about uh, why so many... We have a lot of conservative allies on a number of subjects. And I still continue to wonder why they completely mistake socialism for fascism. They they just get it wrong. Well, they're, they're more likely, yeah. Well, Julian, they're more likely to mistake socialism for liberalism. As I always say, I ain't no liberal, bruv. In fact, I'm liberal on absolutely nothing at all. Uh, I uh, share the views of many conservatives on many issues. My difference with them is that I'm a socialist and they are not, and may even be viscerally opposed to what they imagine socialism to be. And this is the fault of the liberals because it's they, in the traditionally socialist movement, who've transformed the profile of socialism into liberalism, licentiousness, uh, drugs, uh, personal behavior that most people deplore, uh, the relentless promotion of identity politics, of salamying up the human population, including its working class component, into 
competing schools of identity politics. That's what's done for the left. That's what's made the left no longer worth being associated with. If, in order to be left, you have to support NATO, support the European Union, support the every uh, jot and tittle of the LGBTQI++ agenda, uh, want to halt industrial activity for fear of climate change, the net zero quacks, uh, the people who want to stop oil and are ready to glue themselves even to the gay pride parade in order to achieve it, to try and wreck the England test match. If, you, if that's left, I ain't left. And neither are most people. Uh, most people want, I believe, common sense socialism. They may not like the word socialism, that's okay. If I can explain the common sense, practical suggestions I have to them, if I can reach enough of them, I'm certain that we would prevail. Last call, Kamal in Chicago, where there are sometimes rough nights. He wants to talk about France and the riots. Kamal, welcome. How are you, George? It's a pleasure to talk to you. You're one of my heroes. And uh, I admire the day Thank that you, you came to you came to um, testify in Congress. It was beautiful. And um, it was I, a good day. Yes. Thank about, you. Yes. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, because I heard a gentleman before from Canada or from somewhere. He was French and he was talking about the history, historical uh, um, uh, facts about uh, uh, events of uh, uh, Algeria and, uh, and France and uh, the, uh, the accord uh, uh, that, or the agreement that they had about in 1968 about the Algerians uh, uh, going as immigrants uh, to work uh, in France. However, the issue is not that. The issue is this. Uh, that kid, he was, he's an origin uh, from Algerian origin. Just like most of the immigrants are from, most of them are African origins. And uh, the thing is, the politics in France is not, they have to change it. They have to integrate these kids. These uh, immigrants who are French, they are born in France, whether they are Algerian, Moroccans, or Tunisians, or whatever they come from. They come from. The problem is racism. The guy, if it was, it was, if, you, if that kid, I can bet you a thousand percent, if that kid was a blue eyes and blonde and uh, driving, even if he didn't have the license, he wouldn't tell him, shut, shut the, the engine or I blew your head off in the French. They, they told him, coupe le moteur ou je vais te mettre une balle dans la tête. This is what he said exactly. The, 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 the witness in, in the car with him, his friend, he said that they beat him with a cross, with a, with a handle of uh, the, the, the arm, three times. And then because the car is in, is, in, uh, is in gear and it's an automatic, maybe he got scared, he left his car, uh, he's, uh, he, he left his foot out of the uh, accelerator, 
uh, or the brakes, and the car moved, and then he shot him straight to the chest. It has nothing to do with the Algerian Accord. The problem in France, they have majority of the French people, I would say the majority, French of the French, like they said, like him, they're like, I'm the Francais. They don't want to admit what they are doing to other people and how they, they, they feel yeah. the racism that they have. They don't want to admit <clears throat> about what they did in Algeria. We don't talk about that. The historical, I'm sure you know about it, George. You know the, the story about Algeria when, uh, when they I got know very well. conquered by the I French. know very well. Okay. And un so, unfortunately, Kamal, we, we've run out of time, which is a genuine apology because that was a particularly moving and powerful call. But I'm already past nine o'clock and I will, I promise you, uh, return to this issue. I don't think these riots are going to go away anytime soon. Algeria had to give a million martyrs to be free of French colonial rule and exploitation. Algeria is a hero country. Uh, the FLN uh, struggle was one of the most heroic Battle of Algiers, one of the greatest films by Ponte Corvo, uh, one of the most heroic episodes in, in modern history. And even years later, the French were murdering Algerians on protests in the center of Paris, their bodies floating literally down the river Seine. So I will never desert the great people of Algeria and never disrespect their heroic struggle against the French conquest of their country. But there is no doubt that France made a very big mistake as compared even to a rival colonial power like Britain when it insisted, it insisted that Algeria was part of France as, as was Tunisia, as was the Ivory Coast, as was all of French Africa, all of French Asia, all of French Latin America. There's imperial hubris and there's imperial hubris. It was not the French that murdered Patrice Lumumba, whose birthday is this day. Patrice Lumumba was in power in Congo only for weeks before he was murdered by the Belgians, murdered by the British, murdered above all by the United States. He was the greatest of all African leaders, in my view, or would have been. And if Patrice Lumumba had stayed in power in the Congo, if the other great leaders of Africa had not been murdered, overthrown, in coups, subverted, corrupted, negated, in one way or another, Africa would be a happier place today.
And maybe we'd be emigrating to Africa. Maybe, actually. We'll be back on Wednesday at the slightly later time of 9pm UK. Thank you for being an amazing audience tonight. And thank you for those who voted in the poll, which doubled in the course of the show and which gained 20,023 votes. Overwhelmingly, not quite overwhelmingly, people think the conflict in France threatens the security of Europe. And so it does. Good night.